what I've found is that's where you can actually do real work and real difference in your little community, who you know, who's struggling, mm. other shops that in your town that are potentially struggling. You start recognizing the importance of community and that's the only place that I can control any part of what's going on in the craziness of the world ahead, all right? Yeah. So any kind of injustices that I see or wrongs that I feel need to be fixed, trust me, I can find it within my own small community and I can try and make a difference there. She takes it back through Nigeria as well as here in Jersey. So have you not read it before yet? Oh, you I have. have. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I love the actual, like, being able to showcase um, the U.S. Right. and Jersey as well as the piece in Nigeria, right. too, which is awesome. So, She's a brilliant writer. Yeah, pretty great. 1431. Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Welcome back. I'm Allie. I'm here with Tanuke. Welcome back to Angled, the podcast that talks about success and defining it in your own way. Today, we have somebody very special to me. It's actually my cousin. Her name is Ginny, and she runs a bookstore in Annapolis, and I'd love for her to introduce herself. Hello. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> my name is Ginny Amundsen, and I, as Allie had mentioned, I own a small bookstore in Maryland's capital, Annapolis, right down in on... Maryland Avenue. It's a very sweet spot. And yeah, I guess that's about it for the introduction on that. Talk a little bit more about it. <laughs> well, we know her. Obviously, I've known Jenny for a long time, but I think it's just really cool to know that you completely changed careers and did something all on your own. And so we thought it'd be really cool to hear how you got there, how you did that, etc. So I think we can start. If Tanuke, if you're okay with starting with our first question to kick us off. Sounds great. Yes, I'm just so thrilled that you're here, Jenny. Oh, thanks so much. It's cool because with all the craziness that's been going on in the world, like we just talked about a minute ago, it's nice to just be able to talk through things, talk about hopeful things, and just right. we're trying to just share with folks that even though life might throw us twists and turns, we can roll with it and we can figure it out. And I think just thinking about how I use my time and have used my time in this past year or so, I've been really diving into a lot of books and like reading a few at the same time to keep my brain involved in something outside of just working and sleeping. So I guess what we would love to hear is how did you get to where you are now owning a bookshop? Were there other folks in your family who maybe took this path? Was it something you studied? How did you find yourself in this capacity? Sure. Gosh, I guess the big thing for me, uh, the bookstore 
Okay, it's not right to say that it fell in my lap, but I have been an avid reader my entire life and sort of the libraries were my jam. You know, I would head to the library. <laughs> I ended up always having, be like Christmas, I would put, you know, books on hold and I wouldn't even know what would come in, but I would check my shelf because as everyone knows, if they are fans of the library and have a card, you can have sort of your area on the shelf to go look what comes in. A little nook. Yeah. Yes. And so I would, I never knew what would be there. So I got really excited about that. And I was always a big reader, read everything. And so school wise, yeah, English was always going to be part of the path probably in literature, but like everyone else in school, I pretty much never liked any of the literature we read. I thought they picked really awful things for us to read. So I think the only one that I loved at that age maybe was Catcher in the Rye, maybe. And that I thought was just all right. I was like, oh, this is good. And then in 11th grade, I did read um, Pride and Prejudice, and I fell in love with that book. I do remember that. But I went to school for public policy. I did political science and political philosophy in college. I went to a small liberal arts school in Ohio, in Marietta. And from there, I graduated and was like, ugh, when can I retire? I don't really want to work. <laughs> That's real. That is real. <laughs> no, it's just this sort of, so for me, I ended up in education. I ended up as an executive assistant at Georgetown University for the public policy program there, uh, the McCourt School, and ended up staying there for about 11 years. And through that grew and ended up being the associate director of their master's in policy management program there, which was really cool to start a program and be in everything within the program. So you are the one looking for faculty. You're sort of helping plan the actual curriculum for the students. You're also interviewing the students' admissions. When you have a startup like that, you sort of play every role in there. Right, because you're a foundational part. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. I loved the creation side of it. And then I just decided that I didn't want to do that forever. I, I saw a pathway to becoming then, you know, a dean, an associate dean, and keep going. But I sort of missed that creation side of things. And at some point, when programs get so big or things get so big, it's hard for it to turn without all of these other pieces that have to move the same way or in, in conjunction with. And the larger it gets, then you have more of the naysayers and the people telling you that you can't do it this way anymore. So you kind of want to fly under the radar. But once you get known, you can't fly under the radar anymore. Yeah, especially on higher ed, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And there's always people deciding, oh, you can't do it this way or this is going to happen. It's almost it's debilitating for programs. And so that's one of the things that I, I just knew I had to get out of that. I knew going up into that, that ladder, all I would be doing is putting out fires and fires for things that were not what I loved anymore. So I left without anything. <laughs> I just knew I that I didn't it. want to do that. You know, you sort of have that final straw and you're like, you know what? I'm 33 years old. I'm, I'm out. And I did. And I mean, I was, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. 
But I do know as soon as I did that I realized, wow, like I actually liked getting back up in the morning again. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't mind. Like I wasn't dreading certain things. I just, I didn't realize what a, how much it drained me, I guess. So, and I think that that's, I don't think you realize it until you're, you're out of it. And I think you have to recognize that about yourself and people that are aware of that they're so far ahead of the game if they realize the things that actually drain them and what could make them happier. I mean, listen, I fast forward money wise, there's no way in heck I'm making anywhere near what I was making in Georgetown. All right. Not even close, but in comparison, my whole life has just changed. I mean, completely different. Like in a quality way, like has changed. Absolutely. Quality way. Like I guess realizing or recognizing what your priorities are and what is important. Listen, money's great. There is no <laughs> doubt about it. It actually does help yeah. make you happier. It doesn't make you happy, but it helps you. It does bring you to some sense of, I don't know, okayness. I guess, you know, I mean, but I've realized that money wasn't the biggest factor for me. So I, I bounced around for about a year and tried to, as Allie remembers this, I wanted to raise what I called my cool quotient and just like <laughs> take classes and sailing and guys, painting, sail. I took sailing classes. I was like, Oh, I want to learn how to sail. Actually not a really great sailor. Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't think that I was going to join a sailboat and like travel the world on it or anything, but I was like, Oh, I think it'd be cool to know how to sail. To Jenny's point. I think it sounds like, you chose this change, and I feel like you may have not said it at Georgetown, but you were on this, like, where's my inner peace path? And so all of a sudden now you wake up and you can literally sit and have coffee till 10 and no one's calling you and freaking out. And it's like you make your own schedule and you have, like, more control over, in some ways, like, your professional happiness. You do. I mean, you still have. I mean, right? so I, I love the bookstore. I mean, I had no idea that I could actually – take this on as my own and do this. And people say, I'm a researcher. I like to try and like, not read books. I just usually go down the rabbit hole of everything online to try and find stuff instead. But I'd be like, oh, how did they do this? How did they, and there are pieces to that. But what I've found, and I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur doing this, but what I have found is you can't let yourself fail before you even try. It's going to you have to just do it. Your path getting to what you want to do is going to be different than mine. It just will. You may not actually hit it until you're 38 or whatever it is. Something is going to finally make drive and decide to change something. And you will, you'll just do it. It'll end up just being something that feel that you know you have to do. And that was with me in the bookstore. I knew that I had to do it because I was given an opportunity to see something that I loved every day that I didn't even know that this could be real. And so I didn't want to lose that. Right. I mean, I worked for a bookstore beforehand for about eight months and every day I loved it. Every moment I loved it. And so there wasn't a day that I didn't, not want to be there. There were days I didn't like it, but I still wanted to be there. That was really important to, to know that if you don't know you, if you don't know whether or not you have the money for it or, or how to do it, or, you know, people will tell you and give you these moments or, or these thoughts of, 
hey, you're going to need $50,000 to at least get it as a startup. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't need any of that. You can work the problem. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. You can work whatever problem it is, and you can do it pretty cheaply, too. I mean, without a lot of debt, you just have to start is right. You know, you have to start. Yeah, we were lucky that we have a great landlord, that kind of stuff. But we did this without, I mean, honestly, the first year was the only year that we were in the red. And we've been in the black every year since. Which is so impressive. I mean, would you say going back to your first job at Georgetown that you felt you would have called this more crazy at that time? Or like, would you have ever thought that would be your next step? Or did you think, like, did you feel like your success was determined totally by the ranks at Georgetown and where you were and you had to like get out of that mentality? I think I would have seen someone that wanted to do this, like, holy crap, they're just going to leave a really great job. They have an awesome apartment and a trajectory of how to climb trajectory of the mm-hmm. climb. And they're just throwing it all away. They've lost their mind. Yeah. I do think I would think that. I mean, I <laughs> saw that with a couple of students that spent a whole hell of a lot of money on their degree in public mm-hmm. policy and they didn't use it. I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. And then one actually I knew was at Barnes and Noble working and I was like, Oh, wow. 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 <laughs> You know, and I remember thinking that, but I also remember getting sick to my stomach thinking about, ugh, is this all there is? Am I going to be doing Mm -hmm. this day in and day out? Like, I just saw how quickly five years went by and then another five years. And it's like, am I going to be thinking about the same things, making this school the same amount of money, cutting corners places for what? I mean, and that was hard. I mean... Because it's your, like I said, you're guaranteed the job in making mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was lucky because I had new students come in. And I guess the big thing for me is I realized that I could handle anything after working at Georgetown. That's how I felt anyways. Like I pretty much felt I put out so many fires and toxic relationships, but, you know, things that happened. And so I felt like, okay, it was work the problem, get to the solution. So for me, like coming and being like, okay, you're going to need a new point of sale system for your whatever books that you're going to have here. You need to set up all of your, you know, relationships with all of your publishers. You need to, I was, that was like cakewalk for me. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Just do that. Great. Done. Done. And mostly the great part about it is the people that are in the business want to be there. They like it. That's always great too. <laughs> Just it's, it's yeah. a huge right, thing. Right. I feel like what you've described, Ginny, in a way is kind of like job versus calling. Mm-hmm. There are so many folks who have jobs, they go nine to five, maybe they work extra hours on the weekend, part-time jobs, and then they will work these jobs and you know, life is okay. But then there are those who shift into what's the calling where you, even on a difficult day, still want to be there. Even with the challenges that come along from sun up to sundown, even going home and thinking about, all right, the next day, what's the plan? One wants to be there. It's not sort of like this chore or this burden or this exhaustive thing. It's you, you might feel like, okay, I know I have work to do, but I'm refreshed when I think about completing this for this work in this calling capacity. So I think that sounds really, really cool. I'm in West Philly now. And so there are independent bookshops, one called Harriet's, one called Hakim's, 
And I try to go there as much as possible. I went to oh Harriet's last weekend and you walk in and it's like, there's just this warm vibe. The people who work there are just happy to be there. <laughs> and it makes me wonder, as you describe, they want to be there. I, and that makes me happy to go back, not just because I prefer to go to smaller bookstores and just get to know the people, but because I, I enjoy going and contributing to a business where the folks are happy at that business. And I want to share more and tell more and invite more friends. And it makes me think for the day-to-day, what is it like as you're running things? How does the day-to-day pan out yeah. for you? Tanuki, I think for us, we lucked out. Not lucked out, but this whole pandemic piece for us, we still decided early on that we would be at the shop every day. We weren't allowed to be open, but we knew we would be at the shop. So from 12 to 3 every day, we were there taking orders doing and doing drop-offs for people. So we did a lot of special orders in that time and delivered books to people. For us now, maybe that's one of the reasons that this last month and a half has been so tough. It's people are just, they're worn down. It's cold and we can't have people inside sitting and drinking their coffee yet. And our beautiful garden out outside doesn't have, is not covered and doesn't have heaters. So it's hard for us. We don't want to say no to people. We don't want to say, oh, you can't, you can browse, but there's no seats inside right now, that kind of thing. Right, right. And that's your whole ambiance. Like that's half Yeah, the people want to be feeling. there. So, and mm-hmm. it's hard when they're, they're being told that, you know, they can't be. Well, I think kind of what Tanuke was saying about the, your calling and work and stuff, it sounds like where you're, how do I put this? Like your mind and your heart gradually took you to a job that's literally bringing you in contact with a community that thinks like you. Like all of a sudden you found people like you who love bookstores, love going Mm -hmm. in bookstores, love the feeling of it. And I just think that's, I don't know, that's like really cool to me that, you know, you may not have known it when you were 20 and you're graduating school or whatever, but somehow energy, whatever it is, brought you to this space where you could literally be doing what you love and telling people about it like as work. I think that's so cool. Right. Okay. Sometimes what I do is also, um, I put it in the back of like, uh, as sort of the background in the frame of a picture, which looks really cool too. And I think maybe in some ways, guys, that I don't know, you know, we always think, oh, you know, I'm not a huge fan when people say I have no regrets. I think that's absolute bull. I think you do have regrets. Okay. And if you don't, then you're lying to yourself. It doesn't mean that you would not do it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you have to have some regrets, right? It's how you learn. You learn from regret. <laughs> Yeah, it's not saying like, oh, if I wouldn't be here if I didn't go through that. Eh, whatever. I don't buy all of that. That's true. You wouldn't. I mean, but that's with every choice we make, right? So I probably stayed, I'd say, three years too long at Georgetown is what I would say in my head if I look back. Mm-hmm. But I still am very grateful to Georgetown for letting me do whatever I wanted to start things, to be able to just create yeah. And, you know, and that's what I still want to do. I mean, I love the shop. I don't think about, I, we should think more in terms of, you know, oh, what kind of this bring us money in if we create this, but we don't. We create what we think is 
charming and what's going to make people want to be a part of the community. And there's a lot of that piece in the bookstore, for sure, that I, I think is important. Do you think, speaking of community, that there, how would you say community has played a role in the decisions you've made to get where you are? Loaded question, but it's a good one. Oh, absolutely. So background is public policy, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, I know I can do, it doesn't sound as glamorous to work within your community as much as being on, I guess, for some people, a higher stage when I look at our social media aspects and how important it is for us to have how many likes or how many people are following us, what kind of reach we can get, all of those things, right? All that engagement and yada, yada. Yes, exactly. But what I've found is that's where you can actually do real work and real difference in your little community, your offerings of what you can give to people, what, who you know, who's struggling, other shops that in your town that are potentially struggling. Like, you know, we, I don't think I've shopped anywhere but Maryland Avenue in downtown Annapolis <laughs> for gifts in five years. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like right. you start recognizing the importance of community and that's the only place that I can control any part of what's going on in the craziness of the world ahead. All right. Wow. So any kind of injustices that I see or wrongs that I feel need to be fixed, trust me, I can find it within my own small community and I can try and make a difference there. And so for me, I just think it's important to be a good citizen. And I think that the community knew I always wanted to be a part of a community. I mean, we moved around a lot. Dad was military. So every couple of years we moved around. So our family was our home always, you know, that's what created a home. But Annapolis has sort of become a space and its own little community for me. And so I feel very strongly that that is important. And I believe that it's important for everyone to be involved in their community, however you want to do it. You can volunteer, you can give money, that kind of thing. But for me, it's the volunteering is really important to just live and live where you work. And I know that people tell you, oh, you don't live to work or, you know, you work to, to live. live, right? Yeah. I get that. But so for me, I think it is important for us to be involved. We can't just be involved via social media. We just can't do it. There is something so <laughs> different to be able to have people walk in my shop and I actually know their names. I can oh, actually yes. say, hey, did you, I don't have to talk about books. Half of it's talking about books. Hell, 25% is talking about books. 75% is just seeing that person. Right. Welcoming them and making them feel good for people that they belong. They belong. Mm. And that's extremely important. See, I see that. And I'm so glad you explained that because if you guys were to see like how Ginny decorates at home, how she decorated the shop, how like her family operates, like it is all completely trans, um, what's it called? Translated, translated, conveyed yeah. through the shop. Like you walk into the shop, you are immediately cozy. You feel welcome. It's at, you feel like you're at home. It's like book home. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I want to point that out because it's a reflection of the community that Jenny just explained that she was used to and brought up. In. And it's just, I think there's a strong connection to that. That's important to note. Right. 
I think it's very important to be confident in yourself, in oneself, okay? But I also think it's really important to also be humble and recognize that there are things that you can do, but then there are others sometimes that there are other people that are better that could do that better than you. And I think, and that's not taking away from being confident on that part. It's just that I think the recognition that you can know that you're doing well and everything's good, but it just makes sense to still be humble about it, to recognize that. I don't know if that's being conveyed well enough. I just think it's important to, like I said, dream big, but know that, uh, I don't know, not everything is going to come true, but, but there'll be definitely some that do for sure. I think it's hysterical that we're like, oh, that people on our street and so forth think that we're doing really great. And I guess we might be doing really great, but we sure think that there could be so much room where we could do better. You know what I mean? And what we're doing and offering at the bookstore. Right. Which is really interesting to, to see. But I think everybody has, there's something about trying to put yourself in other people's positions and seeing what they're doing right. And then recognizing that maybe they also need to make some changes as well in what they're doing. That didn't make any sense at all that I just said. That made complete sense because it comes full circle to the humility community mm. part, I think. And what we're seeing across not just our East Coast, where we're all in the same time zone here, but we're seeing it across the whole country where people are having to rely on communities in ways that were so unexpected before. There are some who have never gone to centers to pick up things like paper towels, toilet paper, groceries, and now they're relying on community for those things. There are some folks who have always said, oh, this part of my community will always be there until it closes because of what the pandemic has caused for a lot of people to experience. There are some folks who are like, you know what? I've never been inside of that bookshop. Let me go inside of it now <laughs> and see what it's about, as opposed to taking for granted the fact that I can just go in whenever I want. It's no, things have changed so much that it's required for many folks to re-examine that relationship they have to community how self exists within that community and how that requires humility on so many levels. And I think for those who are business owners, and I've, I've tried to go to as many small businesses when I'm tired of cooking for myself too, and I try to get meals there. And I've seen such a shift where they are, before we're kind, we're super nice, but now I'm seeing everyone is just realizing how much more community matters now. And I think before we thought, okay, you know, your community is the street you live on. But it's so much more than that. It's the folks you interact with, how you keep their spirits lifted, how you contribute to these local businesses so that they can stay afloat. And it's this cycle of one being humble enough to contribute to their community and then the community being able to lift up those who are contributing. So I think everything you said really just connects so nicely. And I think many folks are probably experiencing it, but not really knowing how to put words to it. So I think it's it's nice to hear you share that. I've been, over the summer, I went to a community garden a few times and tried to really just support like local farmers and the produce was way more affordable there than like, no offense, like Whole Foods or anything. So right. I found that the thing that I'm missing the most <laughs> now that, listen, like now that we're, we are, as we film this podcast, record this, as we record this podcast, it is winter. <laughs> 
like I'm really missing community garden. Like there are so many things that I miss. Right, it's freezing. But I've now learned I have to not take these things for granted. And I think many others are being humbled by what they see in their community as well. So that, yeah, that's spot on. I totally agree. That was beautifully said. Yeah, you summed it much better than I did, actually. But there's a connection now within each, with our neighbors. Like we have specifically, I mean, I do our social media too for Old Fox and I specifically want to continually to convey community and neighbors within those posts and talk about that and show our gratitude for our people that are shopping with us and supporting us. And I think we've always wanted to do that. And we've always, I think, shown that, but it's, it's so much more now important. I mean, it's hard for us. It's hard for us when we see that Apple and Amazon had through the roof during the pandemic, their numbers and Mm -hmm. how much they made Mm -hmm. because of it. But the local movement has, is still there for sure. And I think that unfortunately, the longer we do this, I think maybe it'll, it'll stick more for people for sure to recognize that they want these places around to continually visit and see. Exactly. We felt it was really important for people to have some kind of an option and quick and still felt that, still feel like it was safe. Right. right. I mean, we have people telling us that this was the only place they came to because they did feel outside of their house. Right. Yeah. Exactly. See, it's like, again, such a testament to the humility piece, because despite Jenny's not making millions at this bookstore, she's her main concern is, are my people still coming back? Are they still comfortable here? Are they still feeling welcome? And I think that really hits on the humility point that Tanuke was talking about. So and the volunteering that Jen, you said you really like doing there's there's a piece of that in there, I think, that's serving you too. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, absolutely. It serves me as well. I mean, that's, it's, you find, gosh, sometimes I think about what, uh, isn't so, so, I guess, feel like I'm getting so old. Like when I think things like, oh, if I had told my 23 year old self this, that kind of stuff. And it's <laughs> all crazy. I do that all the time. Yeah. Right. Awful. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the choices we make are, I still think you have a core person who you are, who you've always been. All right. I don't think you completely changed. So maybe in in the world, Mm. I don't know if destiny's the right word. I knew that I wasn't going to be a Georgetown forever. I knew that. I knew it. So I had no idea I was going to have a bookstore. And I don't know what's going to be from five to 10 years from now. I want to continue with the bookstore and have it, but I want growth too. I want to create more. I want to do other yeah. things, not things. I think I, that's what I mean. I feel like the bookstore can always be a piece of it. I find that that is what I want to do. And I think I'm lucky. I think you guys, I think not everyone finds a calling. So my whole thing before finding a calling, and that was fine, then you better like the people you work with, right? Because <laughs> if you don't like the people that you actually work with, then, then it's going to be really hard. Uphill climb. Yeah. You can do anything if you like the people you work with. I mean, I could be 
street sweeper, if I like the people I work with, those are the people that you're spending most of your day with. You know what I mean? Yep. If you like them, you can pretty much do anything. If you don't have that calling, you better make sure that you, you like the people you work with. I don't want to cut you off, but I don't want to forget about the obstacles and figuring out like if there's anything that you've overcome that you think made you stronger or strong enough to make this change. Any experiences? I think, Allie, you finally get to a point where you just have to jump and you know that you don't, it's not like I can't do one more day of this, but you know that I just have to jump off that ledge and recognize that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And you have to continually tell yourself that. And it will. Hell, even if you fail, it's going to be okay. Right. You can take those chances. At least I could take those chances. I recognize that I, my life, the fact that I didn't have kids, that I wasn't married, that obviously allowed me more of a chance to just be like, whatever, and to leave. But I know that about them. I don't know if things would have been different if I was married. Hell, I mean, mm-hmm. I probably. I mean, yeah. you know, there was, I mean, that would have been a conversation to be sure be had, I'm sure, mm-hmm. deciding to just leave your job and be like, I don't know what I'm doing next. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I definitely think Tanuke and I can both relate to that because they both were in LA. We'd probably tell you three years too long and both just jumped out. And I feel like Tanuke, you found a community that you, I feel like you like better, a lot better in Philly. It's interesting because I still keep in touch with those folks from her LA who were my close people. Yeah. And when I left, I just kind of bought a one-way ticket out and I didn't even tell, I just shut off all my social media and I just dipped because I was like, I can't. And I think it's really interesting, Jenny, that you bring up the point that sometimes you just have to be out. You just have to say, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Like, because otherwise yeah. you mm-hmm. might sit and think about it and think about it and think about it. And then five years has passed and it's like, what did I just do with my time? It's sometimes having yeah. that like dramatic shift is so necessary, but, and I'll never, I, want, I don't want to speak ill of LA. I just know I got to the point where I was so exhausted and so worn down that I was like, something needs to drastically change. And I think in the higher ed world, there's so much to be considered, so much to think about. Building community can be tough because if you're working with undergrads, everyone's gone after four years and you start over again. And it's beautiful and refreshing mm-hmm. Because those constant changes are great. You can constantly help new people. But I also know that that sort of transient community, unless those are, there are folks living in the DMV who can constantly come back, it can be really tough to like single in on your people unless they work with you. And oh, sometimes yeah. people will move to, you know, different universities. They're like, well, you know what? I'm going to go to American now. Like, I'm going to go to Howard. So it's like, it's, it can be tough. I think what I've found in Philly is that And I still do because I do, this travel bug has bitten me. I do often consider, where can I go next? Where will I go next? But I love being close to people who are new, who I've met through my university network because I went back to school when I came home. I love being around people who I've known since I was two. I love the family that I have in this country that's nearby in Philly because we're close and that makes me happy. And it's like, I don't know where I would find that type of support elsewhere LA, my friends became my family. Like, Allie was like family to yeah. me. I remember our first road really? trip with JM from the to beach. The beach. Oh, what is a good day? So, I just, it was so, was so, so stressed out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but God. Like, I was so stressed out. It's hard. You need support. Everyone needs support on stressful days, stressful times. Like, it's so necessary 
to have those around who can provide love and support and then guidance so that you can get to that next step mm-hmm. and not have to make mistakes others have already made. <laughs> but that's what's so fascinating to me is like all those things you're listing, like all these points, these battles in our head, like it just amazes me that every single person walking down the street is thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what if I do this? Will I be happier if I go get coffee here? What if I, did I call my mom? Did I call her back? Did I text him back? Did I, what? And it's like, I just, and that's every person. And despite that, we still have Ginny who's like running a bookshop, but still thinking all of those things. And like Tanuke, who's teaching a class of 14 year olds who barely know you, but you're still thinking all those other things. Like it just amazes me. And I set that apart and say that because it, it just shows Ginny running a shop and all these things about other people that you're constantly thinking about on a daily basis to make it work. And it's like, whether you come home to a mansion or whether you're married or have kids or whatever, like you're not even calling it a priority. You're not calling it out. You're not saying it. It's like, it's not about you. And that's what's so cool to me. It's about everybody else. And no one knows that. No one thinks about it. I think that that's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Not like directly. No, I totally agree. Allie. I think that that's, But gosh, I was thinking about it. Like I was home for these like two sleep days, right? Like I went to work today, but yesterday, and I was able to just read for the entire day. It was awesome. I haven't done that in so long. I own a bookstore, but read so (laughs) infrequently now. It's ridiculous. Like, gosh, it's crazy how that, that works. But having said that, like, but I do know that it was weird being just with myself in my own head reading and just doing that and not having to do anything else. And I think you need those days. I do. I think they're really important for like to reset, but I love all the connections that we have in Annapolis. I think you do too, being here too. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are coming through here, our family, our friends. That's been really great. And yes, Mm -hmm. People come with problems. <laughs> but that's true. We're complex beings. We're yeah, complex. we all do, though. So, I mean, and that's the, I think that's so important to have, as Tunike, you were talking about, the idea of guidance and friends and family that have seen you through all different stages of your life. Right. Completely different. Different chapters. Yeah, absolutely different chapters. You guys left, left L.A. I don't really keep in touch with other than two or three people from Georgetown, though. For me, that was, it was really important to just cut it. Yeah. That can be very healthy sometimes. Sometimes it can be very healthy to do that. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It wasn't, again, because I didn't want to still keep in touch, but I think there was a piece that that was that part of that life. Yeah. And when you recognize that, wait a second, work ended up being everything we talked about together and I'm not working there anymore. So Mm -hmm. see ya. You know what I mean? Like, that's, I guess, you don't want that to become everything to you. You know, and that's the only yeah. thing that you guys can talk about with people that you're with all the time. You sort of want to be able to have other connections to share. Well, you purposely changed your world around a little bit. You don't want to be brought back into the, what is it? What would you call that? Not into the fire, but like kind of like back into the ring where you were like, huh, huh, I don't yeah, like Yeah, or the maelstrom or like, oh, God, I'm yeah. glad I don't have to gear right. That does stink. You know, <laughs> like, right. Get out of it. Yeah. And Tanuke, you were talking earlier about like, yeah, sometimes you just need to cut it. You're right. I did need to cut like just deuces, see you. But Mm -hmm. what I will tell you guys that like I thought about it for a heck of a Mm -hmm. lot longer. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I mean, I was like, whew, could I just leave? Could I just leave? And then finally, then, yeah. and then when I actually did it, it was like, eh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had no regrets. That's one I did not have a regret on. Mm. I wasn't like, should I go back or no? It yeah. was just like, yeah. as soon as I made that decision, it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. And that's what was so great. Like, I mean, it was really freeing to recognize that, to be able to, maybe I didn't allow myself to think about it again, but I just was done. And, and knowing that that decision was made, I could cross it off my list and I didn't have to see it anymore. So I think people, we second guess ourselves so frequently that, oh, it's such a detriment to us. It really is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what was like the impetus? Like, what was it? Well, we know, I guess that's the wrong word, but like, what were the things that were making you not want to do it? Was it solely financially? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Or is it like, this could be like, I could go so high in this, in this area. I could really rise in the ranks. Like, what was it? I think that the security was big, Allie. But I think the other part was big is that no matter what, I recognize that I am an optimist. I'm a realist too, but I still always thought, okay, I can get through this. I can, this is, I just have to get through this part and it'll get better. Mm -hmm. And okay, what can I do to take this off my belt? So this isn't the thing that bothers me anymore. Like I was Mm -hmm. doing that an awful lot. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. you just can't fix it. Right. And you just have to cut the cord. (laughs) You have to just trust yourself and trust that you can, you will get back to a place that you like again. And I didn't like it for a while. You know, and that, that made me sad. And, you know, you don't realize that until you're, you're out of it and you can look back. Gosh, I think people have those, those memories about high school or middle school about those things. Like you can't look back fondly on certain parts until you're years out. I still can't read like my journals from those years. <laughs> oh God. I found one recently and was like, I, one, I'm like, I had one. And then two, I was like, burn it. <laughs> I was like, no need. I don't need to have those feelings anymore. That's nope. really funny. <laughs> but I do think I would love like to bring it all together. Like, so a lot of like current entrepreneurs, current business owners will say, yes, they left a job. And a lot of them are now like millionaires and they're like on the cover of Forbes. Like I took this huge jump. Whereas like, <laughs> I love, you know, what I'm talking about like all these articles. And oh, it's yeah. like, 40 under 40, 50 under 50 or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And I love that what Ginny did was not that. She chose something near home in a community she already loved, near her family, to serve other people and not to just be a billionaire and talk about it and make a cover story. Like, yeah, do I want the bookstore on the cover? Yeah, I want to get it on the cover, but like not in the sense of like, look at me. So I'm based on that. I would love for you to define what you call success like what how would you define success as far as like the way you think and based on the way your decisions have landed success for me is be happy with the decisions I've made whatever they may be I think that's what success is really about how you're actually treating yourself okay and how you're seeing it how it makes you feel so for me Success is knowing that I think I'm pretty happy with all the relationships I have in my life right now and where they are. I don't think that there's really any out there that I feel tensions that I need to fix right now or anything like that. And I 
connection for me is the biggest thing. And I think people all, and also the thing, I think everybody knows how I feel about them too, Allie. You know, I think that people feel, they know where I'm coming from. I'm not lying. Your show's called Angled, but I'm not looking for any kind of angle. And that's who <laughs> I am. You know, I'm just, I'm going to lay out whatever, frankly, what I think. And yeah. people are, they're going to be okay with it. And they will be okay with it because, because I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. No, that it. makes like, total sense. Total sense. It's a confidence thing. Yeah, I am not going to throw a curveball at anyone. They're going to know who I am, what I think probably, because I'm going to tell them, but also they just are going to know me. I I feel like I'm pretty, I'm not really that, I'm not a wild card in the situation. I think I'm pretty steady. And Mm -hmm. I think that that, I don't know if that measures success, but knowing that I don't have those feelings of angst and worry on my conscience of how people see me or think about me or did I do this right or how they feel about that like I think that that's god it's freeing mm-hmm. that's huge so that for me is is success to be able to and still you know to be there for my people my family the people I love my bookstore the community I want to do that other things that I want to that I do I think that I, I need work on absolutely there's a whole heck of a lot of things that I feel like that I can still work and, and create. Hell, when we opened the store, I'm sure we left a whole hell of a lot of money on the table that we did something wrong. I'm sure of it. I mean, heck, my accountant is calling me pretty much every day going, you need to do your PPP loans. And I'm like, I don't even want to. That's like, that's, oh. the, I know. But like, she's like, you need oh. to do this. And I'm like, Ugh, I know. So I know that there are things that I could be better at for sure. But for me, is success is just being able to wake up and in the morning and do something that I absolutely enjoy every day. That's beautiful, honestly. I think often we have these stories that we hear about when it comes to monumental influence, impact. But sometimes when you have that conversation with some folks, they say the thing that they miss is, you know, time with people that they care about because the job and the success has taken them far away from what they've loved and they love the job, but you have to often negotiate between, okay, I can have this success over here or I can have this comfort in life over here with my community. And so let me do this success out here and travel and be far. But you often hear them say, yeah, I wish I had more time with people that I I care about. And it sounds like you've found that intersection, Jenny, between the thing that you love to do and the community you love to impact and like right in the middle is where that success is. So I think that's, that's really hopeful, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Combined with liking the people mm-hmm. who are around. <laughs> I think that that'll inspire yes, a lot. Yes, that's of important too. Right. You, you have to <laughs> like the people that you see <laughs> and work with. But I, I think that's super inspiring. And the definition of success is, is challenging because there are so many ways to define it. But I think when it really comes down to it, it's like, having that impact, having those thoughts around success can make success seem and feel more accessible for more people. It doesn't necessarily have to be you're a multimillionaire because all of a sudden all of your investments paid off and look what you did with Bitcoin and now you're a millionaire. But which is fine. That's some that's oh, someone's Bitcoin dream. trigger word. That's someone's yeah. dream, which is fine. Which that's I a good dream. dream. Stop. Not gonna lie. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like someone's someone's dream is that. 
someone's dream is that, and that's fine. And that's a definition of success that's good for somebody else. But I think there are a wider majority of folks who will take away a lot of comfort in knowing that the definition of success can also be impacting people that you see each day, making sure that you're giving back to your community, working, living, contributing to those that are around you. I think that definition is the one that is going to resonate widely with more people. So I know I appreciate hearing your insight and it makes me feel hopeful. It's been great. I mean, listen, knowing that there is that the bookstore is the location for the number of people that had their first date there that are now married. The fact that people have gotten married there and they come over and they tell us these things. Like, it's like a, like that, that's going to, I, and my shop is going to live on in their lore, their family lore and their family story forever. Right. And that's something so cool to be able to say that we're a part of leaving something behind of, yourself. And we're all, the only way that we're ever left behind is within stories. You know, so stories is where it is. So knowing that we have kids that come in that grew up there, you know, that are now talking, they're five now, and they, they actually were going to our story times. Gwen and Max. Gwen and Max, my best friend's kids. They, he thinks he owns the shop. I mean, seriously, but (laughs) He thinks he's famous. I love it. He does think he's famous too. But so I think that that's very, so important. That's the part that I want to leave behind for people, that feeling of warmth, but to be in in their stories of love and, and family. And the other part, when I was talking to you about regrets, we all have regrets. The other thing, I don't want to have regrets about relationships I have. That's, I don't care about things that I don't get to do. Mm-hmm. I think in the end, it's all going to come down to it. What, what you're going to be saddest about is are those are relationships that you might have let go of or that you didn't work hard enough on. Oh, that's hitting close to home. Okay, deep breath. <laughs> deep breath. So <gasps> I don't want to have that. So if I have regrets about, oh, I didn't make it to, I don't know, see the Northern Lights, I'll be sad. But I'm not going to like, <laughs> that's not going to be like the worst thing ever. A deal breaker. God, no. No, exactly. So that's sort of like my mantra all the time, or that's sort of like the line that I lay is like, okay, everybody good in my life. My relationships are all in order. Okay. We're good. And yeah. And once the bookstore catches on and I make seven more of them in other locations, take old box on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have any like locations that you guys think that would be a good place for a small community bookstore, every town deserves one. Let me know. We'll, we'll help people grow one there start one there so oh my god I just had two huge ideas coming from that last like the last two sentences I'm gonna write down and email you I'm very excited about me telling myself to do that all right so is there anything like you can tell us as far as like how to find the bookstore any links tags like ways you can draw people to you well yes you can find us on all those social media sites uh we're most active probably on instagram so it's just going to be old box books, old box underscore books is what it is. And we'll come right up. And then obviously on Facebook as well, our website is sort of, eh, it's, we're working on it, but we found, I don't know about you guys, but do you find like people are not going to websites as much? It's just for us talking, or do you think that that's where they start? I think people use Instagram because it takes them into the experience of where they're going to go and it helps them 
You can hear someone's voice. You can see what it's like to walk through a space. But I still think websites are good because there's like a lot of technical information. What's the address? Like, how do right. I get there? It can be like where you compile info and now you can make purchases through all these right. different platforms. But if I'm going to purchase, I often go to that business's website because I just feel like I trust it more. But there's a good use of both, True. I'd say. Okay, that's good. Because I will say, whoever has a, someone has a bad website, I'm like, eh. even though it is all about Instagram, I still, I go to the website. It's got to be like, it's put together and good. All I care about the website is that it has to be updated. I don't like to yeah. see right. blog poster things from like 2018 on there. I'm like, oh, God. You know oh, yeah, I mean? no. Like that, exactly. that, that bothers me. So I'd rather it be yeah. really like simple and not have anything just sort of bare minimum instead of seeing things that are out of date. That's what right. I that struggle makes sense. with. But anyways, that was a total tangent. But the rest of the, sh- I mean, oh. we are located at 35 Maryland Avenue. It is the oldest commercial street in Maryland. And some even say the country. So we've been there now for five years. Well, we're in our, in our fifth year. Oh my gosh, that's nuts. I know, five. right? I know. It's a great little spot. That is downstairs in the history section. So you follow the spiral staircase and head right on down. Tanuke, you got to come down and visit us. You have to come down anyways. You're not that far away. She's coming for photos. Philly's just up the street. So yeah, absolutely. That's exciting. It's exciting. You can come down and see the shop and, and all the rest of Maryland Avenue. We've got great, great merchants on the avenue as well, which we adore as well. Yeah. So That's cool. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, gosh, I've really enjoyed talking to you guys. Nice. Thank Yay. you for making time. Thank you for spending some time with us and just sharing your story. And it's nice to connect and just thank you it. times a thousand. <laughs> so, so grateful on a Friday night. So we will send you everything. All right. Sounds good. I guess that's it. Any final thoughts, anybody? You good? No, read <laughs> books. If you would like to re-listen or find us elsewhere we are on spotify stitcher as well as apple and you can find us by looking up angled podcast and of course check us out on instagram as well under the same name the angled podcast yes perfect thank you so much guys we'll see you next time what's your angle